Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, um, we have uh, Jerry Gipper with us from, or with me from the National Preservation Institute. Thank you for joining me today, Jerry. Good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, tell me about your background. Uh, so um, I've been working in the museum and preservation field since about 1984. I have an undergraduate degree from Boston University in art history and a graduate degree in urban planning with a concentration in historic preservation from the University of Virginia. And um, I was fortunate enough to spend my junior year abroad in Rome, Italy. So um, that was really wonderful. We were, we were a military family. So I grew up moving around, including um, living in London twice. And I think that that background has given me the ability to look at my surroundings more carefully and really just be able to identify you know, what I see. Right, right. And I would think too that every, every culture is a little bit different on how they view history and preservation. I think that probably gave you some perspective on that too. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So, so what, brought, what brought you into, into preservation? So I started out with an interest in architecture, you know, all that time living abroad, doing a lot of family traveling when we were growing up. And then as I moved into professional work, um, I found I was learning about what the field of historic preservation and cultural resource management actually encompassed. And it's, you know, much broader than just buildings and architecture. Right. It's archeology span and cultural landscapes, history. Native American issues, um, the nexus between cultural natural resources, laws and regulations, and of course, stewardship. Um, so though, so although I have a very specific um, interest in, in buildings to begin with, um, I've always worked as an administrator and I've worked uh, with first with art galleries and then in museums and then um, continuing education training in preservation and cultural resource management and, and really watched how that's grown over time in the kinds of courses that, that we've given. And I'm also active in preservation as a volunteer. So I'm on the board of Friends of Historic Huntley, which is, um, which is preserving a, helping preserve a mid 19th century historic home. And I've been involved in our mid century na modern neighborhood, which is called Holland Hills. It's designed by Charles Goodman, and um, I've been on the design review committee. I've worked on the nomination for the National Register of Historic Places. And most recently, I've been 
part of an effort to look at adding county level protections in the form of a historic overlay district. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm working in the field and I also volunteer, in the field, yes, which yes. I think is really important to do if, if you, if you're able to. Right. I, I agree. I, I, cause, and then you can, you make an impact in your professional life, but you can make a bigger impact if you, if you, if you do volunteer, I agree. I agree with you. I'm curious about the, um, uh, you know, the, the, not the overlay, but the, the, the guidance that you give for restoring the mid-century modern, uh, because that's such a challenge because those materials weren't really made to be maintained. Um, but are, I guess there are probably are resources. It's just not that that's not the niche that we're in. So I don't, right. I'm not familiar. Right. But. right. And I'm not currently on the design review committee. Oh, okay. So I'm not involved in those kinds of uh, questions and answers oh, okay. that I'm, that, that they are getting from, from residents, but yeah. they are definitely, I know from, from, from sitting on the, in the group that's looking at the historic overlay district, but that's a big part of what they look at yeah, is yeah. the new materials that are similar enough that, you know, they can pass muster basically. Right, yeah, yeah. So, so tell, me, tell me about the National Preservation Institute. Okay, so the mission of the National Preservation Institute, we call it NPI, is to educate those involved in the management, preservation, and stewardship of cultural heritage, which is, of course, a mouthful. Um, <laughs> we were founded in 1980, so we've been around for 40 years. We're a nonprofit, 501c3, and it was founded by J James Massey and Constance Warner Ramirez, who were both, you know, still around and still doing things in the preservation field after all these years. Um, they set out to provide training by preservation professionals who are paid to develop courses and teach the same course in various locations, but with a consistent schedule of offerings. And um, our board of directors is made up of experienced professionals in preservation, cultural resource management, advocacy, law, archaeology, architecture, landscape architecture, historic site management, planning, and education. So, um, yeah, so that's our history, or in brief. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you mentioned that you do, you, you develop a curriculum and then, and then do the training. So what types of, of training is, is offered? So um, up until the pandemic, we offered only in-person training seminars um, that focused on topics of um, concern to both preservation professionals and advocates involved in the management and stewardship of cultural and historic resources. Um, lots of laws and regulations courses and other things. Um, but within six months of the pandemic, we were able to offer online training. So we've been doing on-demand courses and webinars. And right now we have about 20 online courses, including a few free ones. Um, some are offered individually or as a bundle. Um, and then we have a couple of webinars that we've offered several times a year. So most of the on-demand courses are 60 to 90 minutes long um, and can be accessed at any time. So you can listen and learn for 10 minutes at a time right. or take the entire course. You can go back and listen and re-listen as many times as you want for up to a year. That's, that's part of the registration fee. And they're also designed to be accessible. So there's transcripts. So Oh, you, you're not good at hearing, you know, you can read a transcript and sort of watch, watch the, the PowerPoint, you know, there's, so there's more than one way of, of accessing the courses, which is I, I find that with, 
with content that offering it multiple ways you reach more people so that i think yeah. that's really really great and i tend to be um i tend to enjoy reading so i'll i tend to want to read the transcript rather than trying to figure out when i can listen because if i listen while i'm working i don't always hear everything because this is kind of background noise <laughs> right, right exactly I do the, the other thing. the other time i listen is when i do my dishes but hopefully i'll get a dishwasher soon <laughs> um so so tell me about the training oh i guess we kind of talked about the trainings that you offer um are there are do you have um when you did them in person did you have hands-on is it mostly administrative and more like the the not philosophy but like the 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 administrative work of preservation is that the is that the the course the training that you offer yeah we didn't we didn't offer really hands-on is really not our thing because right. there are so many other organizations out there doing that and we really except for rare occasions don't try and do things that everybody else is offering right. um, except for when we do laws and regulations because lots of that there can't be enough enough organizations offering laws and regulations right. so we, we do overlap majorly there with section 106 in particular yeah. um, but some of the other courses we do um, our online courses right now are there's one on fundraising we have a lot of gis courses we have a few section 106 courses we have one on historic wood windows which is actually probably the closest we get to hands-on um, and we have one on streetscape design, strategies for historic districts. And we do quite a lot with NAGPRA, which is Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act. So we have quite um, a few courses that we've done before the pandemic in, in person. And we have one right now on uh, grant proposal development. We do that for um, the National Park Services National NAGPRA program, we have a cooperative agreement with them that we do courses for them. And then we also have a course on Native America 101, which is, is quite, I think, an eye opener to listen to if you don't know a lot about, about that subject. So I think that's been a really important one for us to be able to offer. Yeah, and I would I would guess that at least in my education I didn't get a lot <laughs> a lot of that. So I, I would right. guess that a lot of people that would be that would you would learn you would learn a right. lot. Um, just just for the people listening, maybe if they aren't familiar, what uh, can you explain what the GIS is? Uh, gosh, oh no, uh, geographical geographic information services. I'm I am not the expert, so it's basically. Oh, no. It's, you know, mapping, it's really putting our resources on maps and often very many layers of maps so that if you're off to do a project, you can really see what resources are out there. But of course that involves a lot of upfront work in terms of identifying the resources and putting them into computer, into a computer um, so that you can see where everything is. So it's it's a pretty complicated process, but we have a, a lot of courses on GIS and they're taught by Deidre McCarthy, who works for the National Park Service. I know that I've been involved locally in some historic overlay discussions where they talk about that as, that as part of the overlay mm -hmm. is adding all the historic yeah. resources to yeah. the county maps. Mm -hmm. So, I, but I wasn't, before I was involved with those discussions, I wasn't familiar. So I thought I should probably. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But now, nowadays it's just, you know, everybody uses GIS. I mean, that, that wasn't true 15 or 20 years ago, but now it's really ubiquitous. So 
it's a really important tool for everybody. Uh, so tell me about the uh, Preservation Profiles podcast. Okay, so, um, so podcasts were not even on my radar until a couple of years ago. I hadn't, didn't know anything about them, but I began to read articles about how popular they were. And um, I, was I started looking for people to talk with about them. I thought that they might be a really good way to promote awareness about NPI. And, and they provided different kind of education than our in-person seminars did at the time. Um, and they're ours anyway, ours are free. So um, they can be accessed by going to our website. So, um, and then the pandemic happened. And um, by mid-April of last year, 2020, our board of directors approved a plan um, so that we could continue to meet our mission um, with both online training and putting together a podcast series. Right. So we did the series what we that we have called Preservation Profiles. And it was actually a twofer. We also have used it to celebrate our 40th anniversary, which is, you know, quite a milestone. Yes. And, um, and uh, our sort of uh, our byline for the for the podcast series was um, for people to be listening to inspiring individuals who are shaping the field of preservation in the United States. And I think that we really we really did that. It was it was really exciting to work with our guests. Um, we had an advocate. We had someone with a federal agency background, a state historic preservation officer a Native American, the director of a statewide organization, and a mediator. So we had a really broad um, range, yeah. bunch of people from different backgrounds, but all who worked in preservation in some way or another. So it was really, it was really wonderful. Yeah. And they tell some really powerful stories. So. Oh, that, that's great. Yeah, that's one thing that I really enjoy about about doing our podcast is all the different people that I get to meet and talk to because I, I feel like I learned something from from mm -hmm. each conversation. So uh -huh. I, I can imagine that that, that was that was um, very especially the variety of people that you had. I, I I'll have to I'll have to put that on my list to listen to. Please do. <laughs> so um, uh. Did uh, so, so tell tell me from your your perspective, what are your what are the trends and challenges in preservation training? So I think as as I mentioned before, with the pandemic, we transitioned to online training within about six months, and like the rest of the world, we discovered a whole new method of communicating and providing training. Right. Um, so although many people feel they may learn better in person. And, they, and that's a way for them to meet people who are in similar situations. So that's important to network and just, you know, for better understanding. Um, the benefit of online training is that we can really reach a lot more people right. and new audiences. So you know, there's no travel, lodging, per diem costs. It's just, you know, a lot less expensive for people to take training if they can do it online. Right. Um, and so with, um, and with our on-demand training, of course, people can access courses at a time that's convenient for them. Right. So um, although we we're hoping we'll eventually be able to go back to in-person training, um, probably not until sometime in 2022, um, the real challenge for us right now is how quickly we can develop new courses because, because online training is a pretty complicated process. Right, so. right. Do you... Um... Do your um, do you 
I guess you film them and then put them up. So you, do you have your instructors come still come in and do, and do that? Or, or oh, do no, not, not at all. They, they do their developing. Um, you know, we, we have a whole long system of what we do. So we have, you know, we develop, you know, our, our course title, our descriptions, our agendas, and they work on a PowerPoint um, and that gets, you know, gone over to make sure right. that that all looks good um, and, and we're covering what we really want to cover. And then they actually, almost everybody does their taping in their own home or wherever, uh, office or wherever yeah. on Zoom. Oh they're, my goodness. That's they're pretty crazy. much using Zoom, but that it's a, it, that's a challenge also because not everybody is comfortable, you know, doing Zoom when they're the ones in charge of it. So we also have ways of helping out by they can have a Zoom assistant do the taping so they can concentrate on, you know, the instructing. So there's yeah, I, I did. I don't mind doing in-person presentations, but I did two Zoom presentations and I, I was like, I, I was done. I was like, I'm so I, I did. I hated it. Like I was like, I was just felt like I was talking to myself in my room by myself. I, and I think that is the that is what most of the instructors feel is they really want the interaction with the yeah. students. It, it, it makes and a difference. Yeah, it does. It, it makes a huge difference to them. And we do get that a little bit when we do webinars. Oh, yeah. But but even then with webinars, a lot of people, you know, don't have their pictures showing. So you don't you still don't get you don't the get their Yeah, you don't get right. the interaction. Yeah. Exactly. And that's a big that's that's a big benefit for instructors. So that's, yeah, no, I, yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, was there anything before we, um, before we, before we wrap up, was there anything that you thought of that you wanted to share that maybe I didn't think to ask you or you thought of while we were talking? Um, I think we cover, you know, I guess one, one thing we didn't talk about was, um, how to support NPI? Oh, I was yeah, I was going to ask oh, that next. Was <laughs> yeah, don't, go ahead, tell me. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead and tell me. <laughs> I'll tell you that now. So, I mean, one way supporter listeners can support NPI is, of course, by spreading the word that NPI provides training, and of course, registering for a course. Um, and secondly, we are a nonprofit, so we're always grateful for donations of any size. Um, it makes us pop. It possible for us to provide scholarships for individuals and advocates and professionals. Not everybody has an employer who will support them for training. Um, so they can attend uh, an educational training. So that's that that would be wonderful. And there is a donate button on our website, okay, which is www.nti.org. And we'll make sure that we have a link to your website on our on our site where the where the podcast lives. That would be wonderful. Um, and, and, and then so, so if somebody's much. listening and they and they want to find it, they can definitely go by back and uh, go by and listen. We so appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And then so you gave us the website. Is there and then is that the best way to contact you also if somebody has questions or is interested in training? Um yeah, they can either go to npi.org or where all the information on training is, or I'm always glad to answer questions. So you can call us at 703. 765-0100, or you can email us at info at npi.org. So any of those ways will eventually get to me. Okay, very good. And we'll we'll make sure that we have that on the, the site, so or on our site. So if anybody's listening, they can definitely go in and find it there. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. I, I appreciate it. And I, when I was actually prepping for the 
the podcast, I saw a couple of courses that I wanted to take. So I, I still have the, the, the tab open on my, on my computer. Oh, great. Well, and, and believe me, I would be happy to comp you for a couple. Because oh, well, thank been, you. I appreciate that. It's been a great, a great experience to be able to do this. And I really appreciate your help. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.